755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever out in uh, COVID-19 racked Washington. What's up out there, Eric? Same story, man. Laying low. It's it's weird walking down the street and I feel kind of intimidating people cross the street, you know, <laughs> they see you coming and yeah, and, and I know, go. man, it's really weird. It is. Eerie, I go out man. for a run and somebody will be on the sidewalk and I feel like one of us <laughs> wants to go, you know, 10 feet to the other side. It's just yeah. weird. Everything's weird. Go to the grocery store. I went one time to the grocery store and that was just a trip. I mean, everybody, you wonder if people are looking at you like, okay, get away from me. And, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's weird times. Well, listen, we've got a, speaking of weird times or a long, strange <laughs> trip. We got a really special guest today. Uh, folks have been wanting to hear from this guy for quite some time. Mr. Evan Gaddis is with us. What's up, Evan? How you doing, dude? Man, I'm all right. Before we get into like cutting up and bullshitting, um, yeah, first, like in a serious note, prayers, uh, blessings to uh, everyone affected uh, already with the yes. uh, the coronavirus, and uh, you know, it's nothing. This is nothing to. Be taken lightly. I just yeah. wanted to say that first, but it's good to it's good to join you guys. I'm happy to be here. Good to have you, dude. Yeah, good to have you. We got so much we want to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. I, I thought I thought we would start at the beginning, or at least at the beginning with the Braves, as far as the Braves are concerned, um, because you kind of captivated the Braves and then throughout baseball with your story when you first arrived and Ev- and uh, Eric was there because Eric is the first guy. I went back and looked at my story. I wrote the first story about you down in Atlanta when you yeah. came up in the well, spring say, of I just, 2012. I just, say, I just wanted to say like, uh, you know, your story actually really helped. Uh, it kind of catapulted it a little bit and I thought it was really good. And um, yeah, it's cool. Well, thanks. That was a long time ago, man. February 2012. I cannot believe it. Jeez. <laughs> and you were a non-roster invitee to Braves camp, and you came in and absolutely torched pitchers in your first live batting practice, first few of them, so much so that it was kind of creating a buzz around camp. And I remember I talked to O'Flaherty. Eric said, uh, you know, because when, when guys, uh, just for background for people out there, Eric, what usually happens during the first days of batting practice when you take live B? Because Bo- Bobby always had – Live BP on the very first day of full squad workouts. Very first day. Well, barely anybody swings. And the guys that do yeah. swing are just, you know, they're late. They're fouling balls off. They're breaking their bat. They haven't seen live pitching in in the, at least four or five months. So everybody's just off. I mean, it's it's always just super, super pitcher dominant. God, that was my first camp, too. That was the year. That was 12. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of what I did to get ready for that one. Um yeah, I, mean, I want to know, man, too. Dude, I, I can't describe I describe it sometimes as being like, man, I was driven, not driving. Like, I, I yeah. really, really, it was weird. Uh, what, the motivation went to play ball, like, crazily. Like, I'm just, I'm, I was over it in junior college at Seminole, and then took the break. And uh, when I came back, motivation came back, like, in a big way. And I think it kind of benefited me in some ways, like, uh, in pro ball it's weird i feel like it's like you gotta you gotta take advantage of 
okay, you need a million repetitions, like whatever, uh, as you're coming up. And then, um, you know, without getting like, before you start like <laughs> deteriorating, man, like baseball is yeah. hard on you, especially catchers and shit like that. It's like, yeah. I don't know how some of these people do it, but, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, well, so I think I, it was like, it, I don't know. It worked out perfect. I can say that. Um, we're going to get into that, that break. We're going to get into your break here in a second. Okay. Um, when, but yeah, wait, cure whack on everyone's asses. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but you had gone, you had, uh, you had been at Rome the previous year after the Braves drafted you. Oh, uh, Danville just, first for the half season. Dan- right, right. And that kind of showed me what I needed to do. I was like, holy shit, these fucking people are so fucking good. I was yeah. blown away. I was like, uh, <laughs> I stay in touch with some of them. I was just blown away by the talent. I had this badass Casey Slammer bat, like old school, Palmero style, whatever. Like, I thought it was so cool. And, um, Dude, uh, Matt Suscheck just like sawed me off in like the first fucking like couple pitches I saw a pro ball, and I was like, oh shit. Like, all right, what the <laughs> fuck level. am I going to do? What the fuck is this? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like, what a two seamer? Like, that's not that, is it? Damn. Okay. So, so you- another, another like, I was like, damn, dude, these guys playing on TV. TV is not doing this justice. <laughs> yes. so, you know what I mean? It's like the fuck, speed it's of the game, game has not come through on TV. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Bobby Cox, that was what that was. Just, I actually heard that from him. I went and sat next to him at the spring training, which is one of the best things I ever did in my career. I think um, go sitting next to him in the um, in the bullpen for you know the, my first big league camp, and I thought, and he knew my fucking name, and I was like. You got to be Isn't shitting that weird? me. Yes, it was awesome. I was like, that's Bobby fucking Cox, and he knows my name. And then <laughs> but he's like, well, Gaddy, it's an easy game from right here, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy gets it. And I didn't know very much about the history of a lot of players. I really didn't. Like, uh, for taking that break, I thought I was done with ball forever. So I didn't really – I didn't know yet, you know? kind of turned into an education. So you came to camp and each, this was your first spring training and each year, like, like O said, guys have been hitting like 60 mile an hour batting practice fastballs from coaches. So when, when they face pitchers in live BP that first day, most guys are blown away or like they stand there with the bat and just kind of clock the pitches, you know, and you know, and, and foul off some balls and get out of the cake. But you got in there. O had a O point. Eric had a zero point nine eight ERA the previous year. Led major league relievers. So he starts throwing to you. You start jacking pitches out to like at far reaches of the ballpark and beyond, like the just killing it. Nobody and hits homers. O'Fla- and O'Flaherty <laughs> tells me he tells me that that day he says normally guys are late on your heater this time of the year, but he was turning on it, pulling it. He had a deep foul, took a couple deep to left field, and I was like, who is this guy? And he said a lot of guys can't come in taking pitches and feeling their way, but you swung at everything you threw and just crushed it. He was and laughing. Same same <laughs> thing with – you also did the same thing to, to uh, Craig Kimbrell and Julio Tehran, who was a top prospect at that I time. I don't know about Craig, did I? You yeah, definitely you got did. meddling. I think I did get mad. Well, if Kimbrel, if you, I wrote Kimbrel, and if that, if that wasn't true, he would have told me. <laughs> so you must have got Kimbrel too. <laughs> he, would, he probably would have told you. <laughs> yeah, he would have. Like, 
Yeah, he got me when I got like uh, weaker and he said, yeah, and fatter <laughs> towards the end of my career. <laughs> like, uh, damn, I yeah, I mean, dude, I I don't know what I, I know what I did to prepare like weights wise, strength wise, and all that, but still, like as a player, especially finding out. I remember I cried when Ronnie Richardson told me, "Hey, Bobby, you're gonna go to uh, big league camp," and uh, mm-hmm. I remember crying. It's like, all right. Here we go. I was in the middle of a workout and uh, I was so blown away. And I was like, it was just like uh, fuel on the fire. I know I prepared well, but still in the back of your mind is anybody. You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to suck or not. Well, the, yeah. the thing that caught us all off guard is everybody prepares, man. It, you were in a different mode. We weren't even impressing you. I mean, every ball – I tried it. I threw everything I had in my repertoire and <laughs> yeah, I made some know, good pitches. You're competing, you're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I, well, that's what I'm saying. You're just in a different mode. I don't know if there's <coughs> anything anyone could have done to get themselves where you were. That's why we were all so shocked. But I remember throwing a fastball down away and you'd already crushed like four or five balls in a row. I throw a fastball down away, good pitch with sync to it, and you swing and foul it off straight, straight back into the cage and you're giggling. I'm like, what's this dude laughing about? Right. And and the next one, you're giggling and you rake it down the left field line. I'm like, man, this guy's just in. I've never, I didn't even know who you were. I'd never heard of you, but there's this guy from minor league camp or first big league camp just treat me like I'm, you know, basically a, a high school kid at that point. And I was just, I'm still and, he, and right then now. it happened. I know. I, know, I, know, I just happened for like three more guys. Forget, you had played a half season at Danville in 2010 after they drafted you, but then in 2011, you hadn't yeah. even made a team out of spring training. That's, yeah, went yeah, to, yeah. I went to extended. extended spring, and then and then, but you were killing it down there. They sent you to Rome in May. In eighty-eight games at Rome, you hit three twenty-two with twenty-two home runs and a nine and a six oh one slugging percentage. Yeah, uh, looking that back was before, now, and now then that, that was before this camp you're talking about. Uh, we're talking like, about. yeah, I did great in everything that year. But now when I look back, man, I was fucking old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was How old were you? Four or five. Fuck, like compared to these guys. And now I'm seeing people like Gary Sanchez. 25. Uh, just whatever. I'm just seeing these guys now. Like they're kind of coming into their own. But, uh, I, man, I was yeah. old. And I'm glad I did. I mean, if I was old and I, I, I think I had to do well, it was like sink or yeah. swim, dude. You're going to, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? They're going to find out really fast one way or the other if you're going to be yeah. here or not. Were you aware of that at the time? Dude, it's not like it's not exactly like you know the Braves put a huge investment in me. I was very yeah. grateful for the one they did, but uh, what'd you get? What'd you get signed by us? A grand, <laughs> one thousand, thousand dollars. That's right. You were twenty five, <laughs> so you yeah, you had to rake at Rome to become a prospect uh, yeah. at that age. You I had mean, to kill it. I saw did you know writing that? on the wall when they didn't make a team. It was like okay, yeah, and I, we got the old uh, speech like, hey, if you don't want to be here, <laughs> go ahead and leave. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. nah, I'll fucking I'll, shit, playing ball with a bunch of dudes, having a good time. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, man. I, I, do, I can say back, look back and say, man, I did enjoy that. And it was a good time in my life. So you at that spring, David Ross, oh, a God. grizzled veteran at the time, <laughs> I asked him about you and he said, he said, a beast, a man child. And 
then you, you know, they were already impressed with you. The guys were, and then you told them you were 25. You'd been out of baseball for four years. And people were like, what? <laughs> so st- it still doesn't feel like it. Fi- and now that I'm done playing, totally feels like a different life because I'm not the same person as I am, like even just two or three years ago. And, uh, but I don't know. It feels oh, like I can't believe it. I mean, I don't know. Oh, Flair, you were there when he told the story, right? In a clubhouse to a bunch of guys? <laughs> well, yeah. We, so everybody wanted to know who he was because of what he did in, in batting practice. And I, I mean, I know if we're emphasizing enough that that just never happened. So he caught. Yeah. Everybody in yeah. camp's attention. I mean, it's all anyone's talking about. And then he came in the weight room, and and I remember somebody just asking him, like, you know, man, what's where you've been out of? What have you been doing? You know, where yeah. what's been going on? Why have you? How the hell did you miss four years of baseball being able to swing a bat like that? And he started his story. Man, forty five minutes later, I looked around that room, and there's thirty guys <laughs> sitting cross legged on the floor, just in awe of this guy's scoop. <laughs> We're like, all right. <laughs> This is a different person right here. Dude, dude, it has not been boring. I'll tell you that. Like for, <laughs> for, for, for better or worse, and believe me, dude, I hit the low notes. I think that's actually what uh, has actually been a benefit to some people. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, I might cry a couple times today on this. We got time. Whatever. Sorry, we, we had time. one of those in our last podcast, too. We're, we that. bring that up, people. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. But uh, no, to see people interview you and say, hey, by the way, you, you're an inspiration to people with uh, mental health issues or anything like that. And uh, I'm one of them. That shit will fucking shake you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's like part of like why. I think that's part of why I went through whatever I did whenever it wasn't so good. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I never really believed them. People like, hey, dude, you're going to do something. Like whenever I was uh, like really seminal, like after high school, I was like 17 or 18. You know, I was depressed as a motherfucker, dude. And I just, and I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to fucking live either. Like the way I was. So I knew something had to happen, but it's good to see that. Uh, some good has come out of it. You know what I mean? Other than me go to the big leagues. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. Look at Evan. Whee. But it's like to see that it actually affects people. Um, yeah. It's something so. I still forget about the platform. And I see players around the league doing mm-hmm. good things uh, for other people, like legitimately helping people. And now two years removed, basically now it's a, uh, now I feel like I'm just in a place to where it feels right to where I want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we got on this tangent, but anyway, I think it's just the, anyway, let's tangent. go back. Let's, let's go back eight years before this Okay, so You're at spring training in 2012. You're going to be a good to navigator with me. Cause I'm scattered, but I'd go yeah, everywhere. That's all right, man. That's good. All right, yeah, cool. That's, so eight years earlier, you were this burly power hitter in high school in Forney, Texas. You signed yeah. with Texas A&M. You had played. You had played in uh, what travel ball with? Name the guys that were on your that you played with. Well, uh, on my particular team that we had since basically we were kids, Roger Kieschnick, I think, uh, I think was the only other player who uh, who played in the big leagues. I'm not sure right. exactly how much time he had, but we like, but we grew up playing with and against like uh, Kershaw. Um, I caught Clayton him Kershaw. at the the world 
what is it? World Wood Bat, the the perfect game thing in um, Jupiter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I caught him when he was younger than me. He was, he, I think he graduated in 05 and I was 04. But we grew up uh, playing with and against some really good talent. That's another so, thing I'm grateful for because I fucking cried when my parents signed me up for baseball when I was like six or seven <laughs> or whatever. And I was like, whatever. I just want to garden and chase butterflies or whatever I want to do when I was six. But <laughs> so, you, so, so you signed with Texas A&M out of, out of Fournay, but you never no, made out of, it to college. Uh, actually, out of, out of, actually out of Bishop Lynch. So I went to three different high schools, kind of right. chasing coaches. Right. Um, and then um, anyway, yeah, signed with Texas Fournay, A&M. Though, yeah. Yeah, you I lived Texas in A&M, but you didn't make it there. So what happened? Instead, no, you I went didn't. to drug Man, rehab for 30 days. I, I'm trying to think of how I could describe what was going on with me. Uh, definitely a lot of anxiety. I think it's a hard time. I always tell people, I think a lot of people have a hard time uh, at that age in life. Like bodies changing, everything's changing. I was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was terrified all the fucking time. Um, uh, started smoking pot my senior mm-hmm. year. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of anxiety. I mean, and then, like, I didn't know what the fuck I want to do. I didn't want to be a fuck up. Basically, yeah. I basically just didn't want to let everyone down. And um, were people telling you how good you were? Yeah, and shit like that. And like, it, yeah, yeah. Did you know? Did you know how good you were? No. No, I don't and think was- so. And you, you were scared you were going to fail the drug test and be branded a kind of a fuck up? I think so, yeah. I think I thought I was going to be the first person in the history of the world to smoke weed and be a fuck up. But, <laughs> but it's weird when you're young, you don't Eric? have the maturity. When you don't have that maturity. You're fine, bud. <laughs> but whenever you don't, like when you don't have that maturity, that shit feels like a lot worse than it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. just, uh, I mean, I graduated at 17 years old of high school. I was younger. I was, uh, so it was, I just needed some time to fucking grow up a little bit. I just, yeah. I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm almost glad. Of course, in a perfect world, you want to go. I would have went to A&M and would have found out I was pretty good and see what mm-hmm. happens then. But and then not have you know years of useless grindage. <laughs> I'm not going to call that useless grindage. <laughs> Bullpens are useless grindage. But skiing yeah. every fucking day in Colorado and all that <laughs> exactly. shit. So it's like that ain't useless. you know, you know. Of course, I might have I might have had a better career, but what the fuck am I going to bitch about? Like, you know, you got to be grateful. So you went to drug rehab for 30 days, right? And then a halfway house for three months. That's what I you did. told me at the time. I did. So after- and then I, and then I, uh, Eric Myers reached out from Seminole State Junior College uh, in, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Seminole, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Seminole Junior College in Florida. So you had a brief, you had a brief career at Oklahoma at the Seminole Juco. Yeah. Dropped out and tried to, I don't know. I wrote it at the time. The way you kind of expressed it to me was you tried to tune in or turn on to something, anything that might kind of give you some clarity about where you were in your life at that point. Yeah, well, I started uh, in rehab. Really, is whenever um, my brother actually, man, I hope he doesn't mind. I need like sharing whatever, but like uh, he handed me an Eckhart Tolle book whenever he got out of uh, jail or prison, and um, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Hey, man, there's something in here." Like uh, I was like, "All right," so I started reading, and immediately, like the spiritual search started. And it was not going to relent. And that kind of, 
that kind of fueled seemingly the depression, right? Like all the, like whatever I just kind of didn't want to feel my whole life is yeah. uh, kind of just, uh, it kind of put gas on the fire and that started cropping up like, oh, now I got to get to the big leagues and I got to be this spiritual guy and got to whatever, whatever. It's just weird. It didn't, it definitely didn't help me at the beginning. It, like it didn't seem like anything was, you know, getting better, but still something like resonated with me. And, uh, that like, there is a way, like there is something there. You can get better. There can be some peace in your life. And that was like incredibly, uh, what alluring is that? Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. definitely, um, um, I was like kind of all in on that too. And then I was playing at Seminole state, which is incredible. If anybody knows about morning weights at Seminole state fucking last five, dude, like finish the race that we, the, the training, it was another, it was another time in my life where I think they really like taught me how to work or taught mm -hmm. me how to push through some, some limits in that way. But man, I just got to a point where I couldn't fucking do it anymore. I couldn't play. I, 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 I needed, I needed a little bit, I needed some fucking self care, man. I needed to take it easy on myself a little bit, you know? So, so I was you out. Me that, you, you told me that story on that February afternoon and I, and I, as we sat alone in that dugout at Wild World Sports after the morning workouts. And, and I remember I wrote, and I've got it here. I wrote, your life at that point began to resemble a Jack Kerouac novel mixed ah. with new age spiritualism, wherever you could find it. He traveled the Western United States, stopping for a few months here and there, working jobs ranging from ski lift operator to janitor. And you told me that day, it's kind of like you were just alluding to, you said, I knew there was something more. I just felt like there was this thing called happiness and I wanted it. And the more you look for it, the more it seems further away. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's funny you said Kerouac before I even knew who Kerouac was. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you were Kerouac before you knew who he was. That's Unbelievable. Great. I ended up reading that book too. And oddly enough, I think that was a beginning of the end of uh, my career as well. <laughs> which no one? Bullshit. On the road or Big nope. Sur or which one? Uh, on the road. Uh -huh. uh, I was actually up there getting a treatment in, uh, in New York City for inflammation. Um, uh -huh. 2000 and I don't know. Or I think it was after. I think it was... Before the 2018 season, I think it was December, and I was reading Kerouac, just hanging out in a hotel. I had to go to this treatment like every – it was like kind of like the Kobe Bryant stuff, with the, but not with uh -huh. stem cells. But everybody thinks it's stem cells, but it's not. Uh -huh. But anyway, I was doing that treatment because so, my shoulder was fucking killing me. I had a broken toe, and my knees hurt like a motherfucker. And, uh, in <laughs> like, uh, so I was doing that treatment and reading on the road. And oddly enough, I think that was kind of the beginning of the end of, uh, it was just where I was in my life. I don't know what on the road has to do with it, but. <laughs> well, I mentioned to Rossi that spring, that, that day, um, you know, he had, you had, he had heard the story along with, you know, other guys. And I mentioned to him that, uh, this guy's lived a little bit, huh? And Rossi said, corrected me, he smiled. He said, no, he has lived a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, it's not very interesting to me, just like most people's lives aren't interesting to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Like I recognize oh, it's interesting it to everybody else. So. But it's like, dude, it's not that made movies. 
they've made a lot of movies out of stuff that wasn't <sighs> half as interesting as your story, man. I'm I'm shocked that nobody has come forward. I yet just expressing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Man, that's it's waiting to happen. It's gotta happen. <laughs> so maybe let's, so let's wait till at, it's over. Well, there you go. We'll get to that too. Let's it's like look, it let's already at, happened. It's created, and that means it's dead. It, maybe it's creating. Well, let's look at it. Uh, let's back up to two thousand and four. So okay. you're set. Up, so you're set to play at A and M. You decide not to. You're seventeen years old. I asked you why you didn't go to A and M. You said I was terrified. I didn't want to fail a drug test. I didn't want to be a mess up. You know, I didn't want to yeah, fail at yeah. that stage and have people say, "Here's this kid with all this talent, and he wasted yeah, it. What a shame!" And all that. Yeah. So instead, your mother took you to drug rehab. You're diagnosed. You you said you were diagnosed with clinical depression at one point, and used several yeah. different medications. Even though they're you weren't bipolar, sure, yeah, bipolar there, which it's I don't okay. know. I don't. I'm still. The verdict is not in yet. I don't know. Right. But um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes. But you Go also ahead. did a lot of self medicating, right? Booze and pot and of course, whatever yes. else, whatever else you could get your hands on. Yes. You said. Uh, there were times you thought you'd end up dead if things didn't change. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 30 days at an, at an inpatient rehab. And then you went to Prescott, Arizona for three months of outpatient care. Yes. That, and while you were there, that's when you got the call from uh Seminole state from Eric Myers. You were talking about, right? Yep. Yep. Go? He said, if you want to, it'd be a good spot for you. He yeah, had, you said he, yeah. he kind of found people like you. He was a good molder of people, and he's died he, since then of a brain tumor, right? Yes, yeah, he was intense to say the least, but um, a, a great man. Yeah. Um, you redshirted as a freshman there, played a half. Yeah, season. that was my first uh, my first knee surgery. They uh, okay, so they had to do some cartilage plugs, and it was uh, kind of. But I, I, apparently I need to go shake that doctor's hand because uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I mean, the success rate's not that good. I don't think with what with catching and whatever, you know what I mean? And right. being a bigger guy, like, uh, you know, the ideal catcher, I don't think is like super tall, just less flexion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just less, less on your knees. But um, yeah, so that that happened. Uh, had the knee surgery. Um, I was there and, um, season started the next, whatever, next year I started up. I wasn't quite there yet. I wasn't ready mm-hmm. yet. And just, eh, game was just kind of quick and I didn't really mm-hmm. play that well, you know? Played a half season, Seminole yeah. dropped out. You say you'd been sober for about 18 months before something happened around that time. You said, I was so overwhelmed with everything that I ended up quitting. At that time, I planned on going back to college and finishing my degree in psychology or something. Yeah, I did didn't. want to. Uh, yeah, the beautiful thing about uh, Myers was um, mm-hmm. when I went in and told him what I wanted to do that I didn't want to, um, that I didn't want to play anymore, I wasn't going to play anymore or whatever. And he's like, hey, man, I really hope you consider me a friend. I was like, wow. Like, oh, you mean I, I can quit baseball and the world's not going to crack open and – uh, you know, there's my mom would always say, you know, there'll be air to breathe. You're more than just a baseball player, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I think my dad wanted me to play because uh, I mean, he knows I love baseball 
And, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and so anyway, whenever I did run away, I ran, uh, run away. Nobody chased me. So it's not accurate, but like whenever <laughs> I left school, I just walked out of class yeah. one day. I started crying. I was like, fuck this. I'm out. And I just went and got in my car. I just like, uh, and then drove home from Seminole to Dallas. I went to my folks house, my dad and my stepmom's house. And, uh, and then they opened their arms. It was like, good to see you, man. Like, just like, it blew me away. It's like I started seeing hints of like, wow, all this pressures, a lot of this might be just my projection on what I think people want out of me. And, you know, a lot of people don't really want shit out of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> they want you to uh-huh. be kind of happy, you know, which right. was, it was really good. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the black tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa on Halloween. We felt pretty weird buying a suit from a guy having the worst day of his life. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us all the way to our wedding day, so we got out of there. And and who wouldn't? What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. Wow. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code BRAVES. That's theblacktux.com, code BRAVES, for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. So the next couple of years, kind of a blur, right? You said your mom buys you a plane ticket to visit your sister in Boulder. You fall yep. in love with a place, which I can understand. Yep. You sell your <laughs> truck and you move there. You worked at a pizza joint. You got a job as a lift operator at Eldora Mountain right outside Boulder. And you yep. hitchhike to work each day, right? Uh, yeah, eventually. Yeah. We're t- uh, yeah. 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 Seven months later, you got an itch again. You returned to Texas along with your brother who'd been working at a Utah ski resort. The Gaddis boys take jobs as janitors at a place in Dallas called Datamatic, yeah. which you told me you found on Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> After that, y'all took jobs as cart boys at a <laughs> Dallas golf course. And then right about then, you said, right about this time, I started finding these spiritual teachers or whatever on YouTube. And I thought, these motherfuckers know what I'm talking about. They're speaking my language, whatever they're saying. (laughs) Yeah. So you got to go back to Colorado. The reason I went, the reason I left Colorado is because I was admitted into the mental hospital because um, I had a what I can only describe as a spiritual experience. In fact, I've got the fucking book. I mentioned it in Alcoholics Anonymous, a variety of religious experiences uh, by William uh-huh. James. And, uh, but, uh, cause I was just fucking curious as hell. Like, I, I don't know what happened to this day. I can, I can talk about it and it's weird. 
Um, so I had this experience that, but I, 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 this is why I wonder if like the bipolar thing, like the verdict is out, but uh-huh. it was, a it was an unbelievable experience that definitely changed my life, uh, for the better forever. And, uh-huh. um, that was, uh-huh. but, but the, uh, but if it, it came and it went the spirit, you know what I mean? The experience, all uh-huh. experiences do. So it Mm -hmm. came and it went, and then I was left in a depression that I couldn't take seriously anymore, which is kind of weird. Like, I would, it was the strangest thing. It was like, um, yeah, like, okay, like I'm depressed and whatever, never suicidal, even if like weird thoughts would come. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I I just couldn't, it didn't have the power behind it like it did Uh before, like when I was a kid. Right, right. It was like, it was like, okay, but it's like not even important that I'm depressed. It was weird. It was just such a strange thing. But that experience was definitely something that, that, uh, that changed my life. Really. I got, yeah. And then I got on YouTube eventually. Um, and I, uh, like what, like kind of in the same arena, if you will, as uh, books I was reading and stuff like that, I would, mm-hmm. you know, I got on the internet and I'm looking and, you know, on YouTube, I'm like, holy shit, there's videos like Eckhart Tolle or whoever, whoever. Uh-huh. And then it's like, holy shit. Like, um, like I, I can't believe like there are people like this in the world that are like doing this. And it's like, whatever it was, like the only thing I can really say is like, uh, resonance. I was like, holy shit, I got to go talk to somebody like this. Maybe they can tell me what the fuck happened to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so, so you then you met with one of those people in when she came through Dallas, right? Yeah, that was after. Yeah, Jeannie's Andy. Yeah, which by the way, if I don't get to thank her by the end of this, like that is, uh, yeah, she's one of the most influential people in my life by by a lot. I can say most influential for sure. Actually, I just I don't know why I speak guardedly sometimes. I used to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Being a and little less said, loose. And she said something to you that convinced you to drop everything and follow her to Taos, New Mexico. Is that correct? Yeah, follow is a bad word, but yeah, uh, I guess. Like, so I went and met up and um, went to her meeting. I had a one on one session. And then uh, everybody after the meeting, some people went out to eat just to hang out. And uh, there's a restaurant like right next to wherever we had a meeting at or whatever. And um, she's like, I need a, oh shit. She's like, oh shit, I need a ride to the airport uh, tomorrow. I'm like, immediately raise my hand. And then she's like, okay, uh, we we pick me up at whatever whatever time, take you to the airport, whatever. We talk, it's great, it's great. And then uh, she gets out of the truck and uh, she's headed back home. At the time, she lived in Taos. And uh, I was like, man, I just want to get on the fucking plane with you. And she's like, well, what's stopping you? <laughs> or what's keeping you in Dallas? <laughs> I was like, fuck, dude. Like, I got to try, you know? Like, I, I, I got to try. I got to, like, try to, try to, you know, get better. And so I did. Like, two days, three days later, it happened to be, like, a couple days before Christmas, I think. And uh, uh-huh. it's like, how do you explain to your parents when you're 20, uh-huh. 21, 20, 21, whatever? Like, uh-huh. uh... Uh, yeah, I'm moving <laughs> today. <laughs> what do you do? How do you do that? But whatever, yeah. man, I had to. And I'm glad I did. 
Eric? That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> just moving. Tr- trying to tell your parents you're moving two days before Christmas. <laughs> it's fucked after up. All right? the, all, after now, all the problems you've been it's through. It's fucked up. I'm like, dude, my parents, like, by yeah. now, now I get oh, it. Oh, man. Like, well, you wore like, them yeah, out, dude. man. I know. Now they're like, nothing surprised them. <laughs> That'd be the scariest thing ever, man, watching your son go through all that. Yeah, watching well, him go through all but that. I, I don't know, man. And then I don't seeing know, him leave man. for towels. I don't know, man. I think my parents had their own their own fucking crosses to bear and their own shit to go through. And I really think they, at some level, they understood. Mm-hmm. On some level, like uh-huh. I think they really did. Yeah, you just. So, I mean, you'd want to help them, you know. Like you'd want to, you'd want to kind yeah, of help what them sucks find their is way. Sometimes and, you can't. Couldn't. Yeah, yeah. That's why I mean. It'd be tough if you couldn't yeah, even. It's like I, like just I don't watching have, your son go through it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have kids yet, but um, uh, I could not imagine. That's t- probably why. Like, man, I'm scared of that shit. Like, I, I would love my kids so much. Like, and you can't always shield them from the yeah, world. You know what I be, mean? Yeah. It'd be really so hard to just I understand people who, like, try that. to censor all their kids' shit and, like, everything and everything and try to protect them. I understand that. I don't think it's good. But, yeah. damn it, I get it. Dude, yeah. you fucking love them. Yeah. So... You told me you lived in a hostel in Taos and worked at another ski resort there, but I after did, three months, but after three what, months, you were ready to move on. Uh, I actually wanted to stay for four seasons. That was another one of the first times I ever lived somewhere where I had my own space, even though it was uh-huh. a fucking dilapidated trailer with no car attached to it, like a fifth wheel with no car. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like a little piece of shit trailer, right. but it was my piece of shit trailer and it was awesome. And I had, right, I had some space. Right <laughs> I had some space and uh, a good place. There was always new people coming in. Like it was exciting. There was 20 fucking 20 year olds that lived there from South America uh, working at the ski resort. It was a fucking blast. Yeah. It was a fucking blast. Yeah. Those, yeah. are, those are cool people that work at ski resorts, aren't they? Interesting. Yeah, and especially kids from other countries yeah. that yeah. are like coming up, like, and they get to go to this place. I'm like, dude, this, like, I was happy for them too. I learned some Spanish there a little bit. Like, uh-huh. so, like, that helped me later on. Um, Hello, so Blanco. Dime. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was a good time in my life. And then, so I so, wanted to stay there four seasons. Uh-huh. And then like just after the ski season it was weird. The owners just kind of it like everything kind of changed a little bit and I could just tell they kind of wanted everybody to fuck it out of there for a little bit. Yeah. It was weird. My trailer and, like, <laughs> so yeah, so it's like I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh so it was weird. I went from wanting to stay for like four seasons to you know what? I'm going to go see some spiritual teachers in California and just kind of like I'm just going to go. I'm just going to. So the next day I left and went to drove uh, without a starter in my truck. That's another little detail <laughs> yeah. from Taos to uh, I don't know where I made it that first day. I think you I drove through L.A. I drove through L.A. Yeah. like just because I had to see Los Angeles in my life. Never been there, you know. <laughs> and then um, I go from there up to what's that? Santa Barbara. Is Santa like Barbara. A, like a north of there. Yeah, Santa Barbara. And there's UC Santa Barbara there, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it was nighttime by the time I parked somewhere and slept. And then it was like, I look outside and there's like beautiful orange trees and shit and like nice California style houses and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is cool. I'm glad I did this. 
Yeah, you said you said you were going to the West Coast. The California Guru game is how you put it. And oh you, yeah, uh, well, that, yeah. Said, back then, back then it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I would I again like going back to the beginning of this conversation. We're talking about uh, you know like when I'm older. I hope I look at how dumb I am now. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. I I don't, you know, I, I would take back some things if I could or not take back, but you know, you, you don't know till you know. So, so you, you, yeah, you push started your truck and you said yeah. you drove to Los Angeles and Santa Barbara cause you didn't have a starter without turning off the engine. You said you filled up with gas while it idled. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and from Santa Barbara, you went you to, Santa, to Cruz. Santa Cruz. Yeah. Right, another cool place to see. Did yes, you drive very to Big cool. Sur? I've been there a couple times uh, in the last year, or since I've been done with ball. Yeah, I rode a motorcycle last year from LA to Santa Cruz and up to uh, Half Ooh. Moon Bay. Did you go up through Big Sur I, when you drove? Uh, yeah, I went to Big Sur with a buddy that he was my roommate. He's the guy who took me to the fucking mental hospital whenever I uh, when I lived in uh, Colorado. Is my roommate in Colorado? I just I visit. We stay in touch like crazy. Yeah. So he was, he was like a groomsman on a wedding. It was like, so anyway, we're like, yeah, it was just there. Like not too, a couple months ago. So you said you went to Santa Cruz where you yep. ran into Santa a Cruz where I met John Wheeler. Yeah. John Wheeler. Spiritualist. And, uh, and I went and I was like early. So I was like, Hey dude, like really think about what the fuck you want to ask. If you have a question, you know what I mean? Like really get like, why are you here? I mean, why did you drive? Why did you come? Like really get to it, you know? And, uh, and it turns out the yoga center, he rents out like a little, he used to rent out like a little space behind the yoga center where he'd give like a little mm-hmm. talk or whatever. And then, uh, but I was at the front of the yoga center and I'm like, dude, is nobody going to show up or whatever? It turns out I was in the wrong fucking spot. So then I walk in, <laughs> in the middle, like of the talk and which actually I think is better because it like, it like awestruck me. He was in the middle of like, and he was like, just kind of nonchalantly talking on a way. Uh, to somebody answering like a a rather deep question, and um, I was like, "Holy shit, I'm in the right place!" And then uh, I was just blown away. It was almost like a fucking blackout. It it was the right place, right time, right persons. It took, you know what I mean. I was the right guy yeah. to to hear the right message. And uh, again, much like somewhat nothing like, but in the same way that that experience in Colorado. Uh, changed my life forever. That was also another little something changed that that day as well for me. And uh, it was a good deal, man. It was a good deal. I felt like I, I, I mean, like I just felt like I, 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 I didn't know what to do after that. I was like, okay, cool, man. What the fuck have I been doing all this time? Like, why don't <laughs> I go to college or go play baseball or something? Yeah, That's you kind of basically. It, what you you would need he you asked him basically what do I need to do, and his reply it seemed to surprise you because he said you said uh, in your words that he said it was kind of or you said it was kind of a letdown because but it was like okay cool I don't have anything to do I don't have to find anything he basically was, said chill it, out it, it, yeah in a way it's and still I speak guardedly about it because it's like but um, first off it's like kind of a hard subject to speak on. Unless you uh, know that you're never going to fucking touch whatever we're talking about. So then it's right. kind of like, okay, you can say whatever the fuck you want. I don't know. Still, but still it's difficult to talk about. I don't know how to, to, right. to, uh, to tell people about it. 
you, you said a day or two later you had another epiphany, basically. You wanted to play baseball again. And you were yeah, in San Francisco yeah, at the time. I and was. This is a great story because you said you were in San Francisco at the time, I guess sleeping in your truck. And you said, I waited, you waited four hours for two cars to move that were parked behind oh, you that day? on a steep street, <laughs> on a steep street. So you could roll your truck into an yeah. alley you know where you gave a six pack of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody turns their wheels so they don't roll down. You said you rolled your truck into an alley where you gave a six pack of beer to a homeless guy to help you push start the truck. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I was like, Hey man, like you want this, do you want to take these beers off me? And uh, like to help me push this truck. And he's looking back behind my truck. I had like a futon mattress covering like all of my belongings and uh-huh. black trash bags. And uh, it's like, I'm like, hey man, will you help me? I'll give you some beer, whatever. He's like, starts looking at my belongings, <laughs> like a little bit. Try to get a better deal. <laughs> There's a big case of ramen, like uh, you know, the big 24 pack or whatever. And uh, so he's like, yeah, will you give me a couple ramen though? <laughs> it's like you fucking bet. Get <laughs> me? So that uh, that happened. That was. Weird. And you called your dad, and you said you were guess coming where home? I'm at. Called guess your where I'm stepbrother, at. Drew Kendrick. Yeah. I told my dad, uh, guess where I'm at? He said, uh, <laughs> the street we live on in Forney. And I said, no, San Francisco. <laughs> like I was all excited. <laughs> he was like, probably worried shitless looking back. Yeah. He's like, God damn it. What the fuck is Evan doing, man? <laughs> and you called your stepbrother, Drew Kendrick, who was a pitcher at UT uh, Permian yeah. Basin. Yeah. He said the coach there remembered you from high school and said there was a spot for you. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So I got back uh got back into town a couple days later. I stopped at another buddy's uh house in uh Lubbock and he was going to Texas Tech. And um I had to wait for my like uh refund, my tax refund check to come in, you know what I mean? To have like uh-huh. gas money to get back to Dallas. And then um yeah, I got back and then met up at fucking Golden Corral with Rinky, uh, my coach at UTPB, and just like that, it was it was on. I was terrified again, but I was like, "Ah, fuck it, just go." So the career was restarted at Golden Corral, for the record. Better believe it. <laughs> so, so listen, tell us you you'd been out of baseball for four years uh-huh. since two thousand six. So what happens when you get back into baseball? Because, well, I got the job. I mean, was I went, it like riding a bike? No, four hundred three with eleven homers in your one season at Texas Permian Base. No, so I was like, I was crazy out of shape, right? Um, <laughs> much like I am now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I went back. And I got the job at the uh, at the golf course again. Um, you know, doing some events and stuff like that. Um, one thing I'm not going to talk about is uh, I'm divorced and uh, just out of respect to my ex, I'm just not going to yeah. talk about anything like our relationship and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's just right. kind of, it's not her, it's not my place, you know? Right. That's but cool. I did meet my ex-wife then and it was a, it was a great summer. And uh, so, but I was just kind of slowly trying to get in shape and um, you know, like see what happens. It. My friends are like, dude, you know you're gonna be playing against kids like way younger than you and way <laughs> more in shape than you. I was like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> How'd your body feel after all that? Like when you tried to start moving like baseball movements and stuff again. Dude, I mean, the what first it- 
even oh baseball movements i didn't do shit until i got to utpb i'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I, I might have started throwing but i started like easy shit like okay do one pull up like or like do 10 pull-ups like all day today like go do one and then come back like i had a pull-up board in, in my like door frame of my bedroom that i think i started jogging a little bit jogging so it's like um just started doing like simple stuff like that and i thought it'd be like enough maybe a couple sprints and stuff like that and then i got to college and the first day we ran wind sprints we didn't do anything that bad ever hardly and then i was just fucking (laughs) dead bro i was so (laughs) dead like shocked to the system it was like oh no i'm fucked and i wanted to quit i wanted to quit again (laughs) i'm glad you did the first two weeks Thanks, man. I was terrified of like just hated structure, hated having to just do all shit, and uh, it was weird. It was an adjustment period, um, but had some encouragement. Well, uh, actually, for my ex, so I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I got to. But man, she actually convinced me to stay, which is really sweet, and Uh uh, I'm glad I did too. I'm glad I did too. It's incredible. I still stay in touch with all those guys too, and or at least the bulk of them. And um, yeah, man, it's an, another really. This was a really fun time in life, man. Going to going to school at UTPB. God, met some of the best people there. Well, it's a lot more fun when you hit four hundred three with eleven homers in your fourth <laughs> season. Right? I didn't fucking think <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> I yeah, swear exactly. to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not see that coming. The first game I caught, uh, like back, I was like blown away at how, like, I was so lost. It was weird. It was like, okay, I'm familiar. Like, I know the rules to this game, but I don't know how to fucking play it anymore. It was like just so fast. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. I guess now I yeah. get what they were saying. Like in the big leagues, like. Like yeah. the game gets too gets going fast, you know. And you see some people like Andrelton Simmons and shit like that, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, were we playing a different like? Is he is he, <laughs> he di- is. like? Is, he is I know a no game. shit, he is. He's, He's like, playing a video game. I love watching him, even in spring training this year. Like just watching him whenever he's in the camera as a shortstop with the center field cam, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. I like just watching him pre pitch because he's watching like everything. everything. It's incredible to watch that guy. Uh, yeah. and that's that's outside of how unbelievably talented he is. So yeah. just, he's a show favorite here. He's, he's an uh, awesome subject here on the uh, podcast. He's often. Everybody loves yeah. Everybody's got often. a Simmons story. Well, we bring it up all the time mm. because we both As agree he's the greatest, greatest yeah. defender, him and Andrew Jones, that ever played. Oof. I hear I'm just uh, – I didn't get to see Andrew Jones play as much as I got to see Simmons play. But right. holy shit, I've heard that too. Simba was phenomenal, just ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> still is some uh, yes, bad trade. Um, some teams were <laughs> were understandably weary of your background, <laughs> but yeah. the Braves drafted you in the twenty third round in two thousand and ten. <laughs> yeah, Gerald said he got w- sixty power and a sixty arm, and they bought it. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, who who was your scout? Gerald Turner. He actually just okay. got inducted That's into right. the Texas right. Scouts Hall of Fame here, and I went. It was it was a great time to see some of the scouts that scouted me in high school. They knew they knew I had fucking baggage and shit. 
So it was cool to see him like, dude, what the fuck did you see? How did you see what I didn't? You know what I mean? I, I really yeah. want to tail some scouts. So you told me that you weighed 270 at Danville in 2010. 270. Where you when, I, when I got there, and then when I left, I weighed 280. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I was eating away like my emotions. No drugs like, and a lot of food, junk food, huh? Dude, I got back on that food diet. And then um, the uh, <laughs> the only one I've the, ever been on. I was so fucking. I was. I was so. Um, it, it was. I was so challenged, man, by by the pitching, even in rookie ball. Just like yeah. it, it was so challenging. Yeah. Like everybody's velocity, the sliders. Like they've also uh-huh. played more pro ball than me. It's just like it was. It was a challenge, man. And playing I don't think every people day. realize that, man. I don't think I, people realize every day too. like that level, how much higher it is than than you know any amateur level, even the, the lowest level of pro ball. How how advanced it is. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, yeah. People used to say like, oh, it's like, oh, it's like double A. I mean, like D one's like double A. Well, how many fucking D one players get to double A? It's like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? You can't even fucking make an argument like that. It's like, no, the town, it's ridiculous. And it's the world, especially now, more so than ever, I hope, because I think it's cool to get to meet people from everywhere that are just so fucking good at baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you guys can, if you guys could explain to fans, you know, because the ones that give up on athletes when they get out of high school, they're these top prospects or in college and they go off to rookie league, rookie ball or short season ball. And people wonder why this guy who hit 350 in, in uh, college with power or 400 in college goes to rookie ball and hits 250. And, oh, what a bust. You know, they don't understand what, what Eric was just talking about. The difference. Exactly. It's if the you best of the best. Man, like- there's a there's a thousand high schools in my state, mm-hmm. right? I was one of the best players, but you know, probably top three of in the entire state at the time yeah. of graduating high school. And I got into pro ball, and I was nothing, uh-huh. like just nothing. I was I was gonna have to grind. I, my talent wasn't even close to most of the talents I was did, playing against. Did you always have? Did you always have like a natural good, um, strange like sink? You know what I mean? Like a pitch no. with identity, or did with see? Uh, it's like really. a, you meet a people, you tinker, and you. You develop. Literally. Well, you have that's all the talent, but you gotta you gotta put it to use, and and that's where it all comes into play. So, like a guy that can just destroy high school pitching, he might get into pro ball, and it's it's just too much with him for him. But or he might get in there, and he might get with really good coaching for the first time, and finally turn into a stud. But it's there's so much to it, man. Like people go to high school with people, and and they see these really good athletes out there, and it's they're telling tales about them 15 years later. And the guy couldn't even make our rookie ball team. Yeah. You know that the, yeah. the level of talent that people yeah. are still talking about in high school, like <laughs> yeah. the best baseball player they've had, yeah. couldn't even crack the rookie ball lineup. And and you're expecting guys to climb five more levels all the way to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's really hard to to get that across to people just a, how talented it, professional a lot athletes of var- are. A lot of variables too, because we all know people mm-hmm. like we all like all uh, the players. Like, we all know people that. We're, the, we're just like, whoa, dude, that guy's fucking good. And it just Way for better. whatever reason, not the right break, not the right time, not the whatever. It just for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Well, look at you, man. Like, look at all the stuff that you had to go through, everything that was going through your head to get to where you were getting. 
you know, God th- that's takes the whole care battle. of the fools and small animals. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the whole battle is, is cleaning up what's going on in your head to a point where you can function on that major league field or, or professional field and and put all that anxiety and everything to the side. It's it's not easy to do. I also have to say one point that I really think is important uh, just in life, and that's our flaws. Like some of our flaws, quote unquote, is like uh, also can be, you know, it's like a whatever double-edged sword or whatever. It's like it's both. It, it, some of those things can, mm-hmm. I think, and did help me. And uh, But in life, mm-hmm. like, say depression or whatever and being able to reach somebody with depression or have a different kind of conversation with somebody who understands it's like these things that we get dealt with at times in our life we're like what the fuck this is shit and turns out to be a blessing it's weird like you know some of the the aggression and all that shit with me plays on the field it helped yeah and then it ended up maybe hurting (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Um, that doesn't always that, work like that. It doesn't always work like that. <laughs> but you <laughs> took my leg off. I'm not going to be as strong. Eric, that video you posted, man, in high school, though, was pretty impressive, man. You were blowing some dudes away. Yeah, and it was probably 89. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point is is it, that talent that yeah, when you're, yeah. When you're you in high school, man. You, you, yeah, I did, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, right, it's just, right. It's like you're a man amongst boys. Yeah, and then you then you get into pro ball, and everybody was a man against amongst yeah. boys in high school, and you have to see who can who can put it together mentally and figure this game out to play yeah. at the highest level. Because there's guys in rookie ball that are never going to get out of rookie ball that are better than me and better than Gaddis, and they won't even play a day yeah. in the big leagues because they can't yeah. clean it up mentally. You know, so that's that's kind of the whole point, and it's it's crazy how much it matters. But yeah, it's just it's an insane level of talent, and you got to figure out a way to put it all to use. Yeah, did I, you I wonder. Hear, did, go ahead. No, I was going to say, did, have you heard O's story about his first day at uh, after he'd signed at Mariners camp when they were like kind of, you know, work, uh, cycling the guys through and sending them out and never the first he gets his physical and goes out and sits at the on some bleachers watch and on a field watching uh, you know waiting for the results and who's throwing out there King Felix Heredia <laughs> Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Felix Hernandez. Oh, Felix, I keep saying yeah. Heredia. I had Felix Heredia with the Marlins. King Felix Hernandez is throwing it. Eric calls his dad and says, what? I just oh, called my dad that because, Gat, my first day in pro ball, you know, you're getting there you're, trying to see what the talent level you is. You look at King Felix and you're like, he's throwing uh, 98. Shit. Yeah, freight train fuck you heater. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, what? The I called my dad that this? night and I was just like, dad, I don't, I don't think I belong in, at this. I didn't know these guys were going to be this good. I might be home in like a month if this is what I have to do. Cause I can't do what that guy's doing. It reminded me of when you said, you know, you got to pro ball and just couldn't believe how tough the pitching was, you know, when you're trying to hit it. My dad said something similar, uh, like, but I just don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to mention it, but like, it's just like, yeah, dude, it's tough. that's why nobody not everybody does it yeah well gat we watched felix hernandez this spring man so uh yeah he looked good he's still still getting guys out where i'm sitting i know yeah he's so so there's he's he's older than you yeah he's no not really He's thirty six. What? What are you? Thirty? No, Felix what? is thirty three. Yeah, he's my age. Yeah, dude. Felix. 
Yeah, Felix is 33, but he's got like the arm of a 40 year old with the with the innings he's that he's got. He's got some mileage. Oh, but, a lot of, but he's still lot of fucking good. Like, oh, you know he I mean? look good, man. He mm-hmm. looked great. Front door two seamers and front door changeups and shit. That was cool. Mm-hmm. To lefties, yeah, that's what he needs to, to do. That's what he needs yeah. to do too. That looks. That's another thing that blew me away. Like, okay, whenever I was like at my peak physicality, I think, and then like watching like guys like Kevin Gregg like strike me out in three pitches, right? And the third pitch, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking. Uh, like strikes me out looking on three pitches. I swung at whatever pitch, and it's just like it took me like I had to go like back and sit on my ass in the dugout and be like, "Holy shit!" He knew what was going to happen when he did what he did. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just yeah. so cool. Like he threw a, a two seamer in or something, and it runs in off the plate, and I swing at it. And then he throws me like a front door cutter, like <laughs> strike three, and I take it. It's like, okay, he knew what he you was doing there. Set up like that before, huh? It's so, oh no, never, dude. I've never. It was. It's another level. It's like another like. No, no, no. That guy drives. He's made a lot of fucking money getting guys like you out. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's cakes cool. and uh, cakes and Hamels are both thirty six. Gat. So there you go. Uh, he's uh, good, dude. Oh, Hamels is with the uh, Braves. Oh yeah, he hasn't pitched yet, but yeah, he's with the Braves. Gotcha. Damn, fucking damn shame. Hey, I wish we were watching deal. baseball, don't you? I know, I know. Um, so, so anyway, the next uh, spring training, you failed to get a spot on a, on a yep. minor league affiliate out of out of uh, spring training. Joe Breeden, who was the Braves minor league catching coordinator at the time, ain't no fucking doubt. Had told me it's you had Joe hurt Breeden. your knee the previous fall at instructional league, and that you you had asked him, "What should I do?" And he said, "The first thing you needed to do was get in shape." And you came yeah, back, lose 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 a little bit of weight, and you'll be able to move a little better behind yeah. the dish. So you came back twenty five thirty pounds lighter that next spring. Uh, well, that was actually after yeah after. Um, after Rome is really whenever I mean after Danville is actually whenever I lost weight uh-huh. and got in some real shape, right? And then that year I actually At got Rome. in better shape, but I don't know if it was baseball shape. You need a little bit of fat to play this game, dude. Like or so, I you think were shredded. I think that was, I was too shredded. I blew out my wrist eventually, and I, I think I was ready that year, but I, I don't think I could play a position in the big leagues yet. Or I don't know if I ever did, but like, uh, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I was. I think I could hit in the big leagues that year. The year before I remember I got this. To um, I remember this workout I saw you doing. You, I came in the weight room one day, and, and Gaddis has like three fifteen on the on the deadlift bar, sitting on the ground. And this was before guys were really lifting a lot of weights. And then he's got two twenty five on the bench press, and he just walks over the pull up bar. He does one rep. Does a pull up, walks to the bench, benches it, goes to the deadlift bar, lifts it right. So he's doing sets of one, and he's just walking in a circle. And I come back like thirty five minutes later. This dude's still just walking in a circle, repping out one at a time. I, I think like, it's oh my god. Well, dude, everyone like they were telling me things I didn't know. Like I didn't know <laughs> what I didn't. I've never been like I never done a big league season. I've never done anything. I, I don't know in hindsight what I would have changed, but. I would have definitely worked a lot smarter. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I like do. I liked when I did like a hundred pull ups for time. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man, that you were at where you were at, right, where you couldn't even run a wind sprint, 
And then two, three years later, you're one of the best. You're probably were in the best shape in camp of amongst yeah, the, but a dude, whole camp that comes with a price too. Like, I, I get it. I got adrenal fatigue, and I mean, I I've had that. four knee surgeries, I've had a hernia, like and then oh, actually, back. I didn't hurt my knee. I think uh, it might have been might have been mistaken. Like I thought my hip was fucked up, but really, it turned into the sports hernia, and it, it, yeah. I ended up having, which isn't even a hernia, as Doctor. God, what's his name? This is going to really piss me off because he's such a good doctor. But anyway, like um, the hernia surgery, man, like uh, that, yeah. that, that's, uh, that, that turned into that. So, so they added you to the Rome roster in May because you were doing so well at uh, extended spring and you won the South Atlantic league batting title <laughs> and had a 386 OBP and a 601 slugging percentage, 22 homers and 338 bats. And that's when the Braves kind of knew they had something at this point and invited you to big league camp that following spring, 2012. Yep. Uh, Breeden said that spring, he said, you still needed to work defensively, but you had a strong arm and a tireless worth work ethic and were extremely receptive to instruction. I, I appreciate that, Joe. I, what I remember that spring, you, you were clean shaven. You actually looked younger than 25, despite all the living you had done. And, <laughs> I remember Chipper Jones on a backfield was over talking to you and you were standing there with his rapt attention, listening to him, everything he said. And he was explaining, I don't know what he was talking to you about, but it was during BP on, on coach BP on, or live BP on the backfield. And you, you listened to everything he said. I still have the picture of that, of him talking yeah, to you somewhere. Me, yeah, I know. I'm yeah, very familiar with the picture. Um, so the Braves still had Christian Betancourt, the top catching prospect. So it, they really didn't know what yet what you were going to do. They you'll they said you'll either move up to high A or double A, whichever the levels the Braves didn't need. Yeah, you know, with with Betancourt ahead of you, but they now considered you a legit prospect. Yeah, they you know considered I mean? you a legit prospect, even though you were twenty five and hadn't been above what low A. Right, Bruce Bruce Mano, the assistant GM, said he's got yeah, such Bruce. strength. He said he's got such strength and a good swing. Defensively, he's gotten better behind the plate. He just needs work. And then the hitting that was uh, that was there. Mano said it's a different sound off his bat. Whenever they sound, say that about you, you know you're doing something right. And and Rossi, I was writing that story that spring, and Rossi, this is eight years ago. He said. He has some serious power. Kind of rare to see a young man, a young guy come in here and make that big an impression. He sat down and told us all his story the other day. He's a good guy, man. He's an interesting guy. He seems to have his head on straight and he works hard. Those are the kind of stories that everybody loves. You like the guy that had troubles in life and had done some different things. Everybody likes that story. Even us players, you like the guy who's worked his tail off and things have paid off. Man, when you meet some incredible people in this game and then you hear people speak well about you it goes a long ways for me that's an impression on him man yeah <sighs> unbelievable you you said that spring that uh, baseball had once been pressure field and grueling but not anymore you said the only thing that had overwhelmed you recently was happiness and you, the quote was, I was crying the other day. First day here, just like that. It seems like it's been just like that. Four years just flying by. And I said, I think it might have seemed like a job because it 
it is, it is a lot of work, but now I feel like I can work harder than some people because I legitimately want to and enjoy it. I enjoy working hard. You know what I mean? I want to get better. I want to see what next year brings and simple things like how strong am I pound for pound. And you were fighting yeah. back tears that day when you said that to me. And now I am too. Said, asked that day if you were closer to fulfilling a dream, and you said, absolutely. Now I'm trying to play forever. So we'll see how far this goes. Crazy, huh? And then I uh, I remember asking you at the end, I said, did you ever find what you were looking for when you went out for those years? And you, I'll never forget what your reply was. He said, I didn't find anything, but I don't have to look anymore. That's pretty cool. That's a hell of a story, man. That's a hell of a journey. You guys are crushing me over here. Oh, getting crushed by love. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's crazy. You don't think that this story is that nuts because, you know, anyone else looking at it, especially guys that played, know those couple years off, two, three, four years mm-hmm. of just, I mean, you're not taking care of yourself at all, right? <laughs> Baseball wise, working out. You, you know what I mean? Me? Josh Hamilton's right. the only one I can even yeah. compare it to recently. Yeah. And, and you, you look at that and you think, like, I always want to ask you how much, how much do you think your hard work played in your comeback? And how much do you think was just God given, just like a freak? You were like, you were just born with freakish bat speed and strength. Or do you, you know what I mean? What do you at think? The, I don't know, man. At the time, at the time, I would have told you just like hard work. Yeah, it, but now looking back, fuck, I don't know. Nobody knows that bat but, you speed know you I mean? had, man. That that first time I saw you swing, and and the way you were, how much bat speed you had when you got in the cage, I'd never seen anything like it. And I remember thinking, I I need to know more about this guy. That's why when we <laughs> heard your story, it was so shocking because it's 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 incredible <laughs> that you were off doing all that, and then a few years later you come back and you have the most power in, in big league camp. For a year, it was a sprint, man. I knew it. I think I knew deep down it was a sprint. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think I just, I just really wanted to get to the fucking big leagues, man. Yeah. It was like you more than fire. anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it burnt me up. <sighs> Did you ever, have you ever talked to Josh Hamilton, Evan? Because you're, you're uh, in the box. Amazing. In the yeah. box once uh, when I was catching, he said, I bet we could share some stories. <laughs> and I said, yep. He said, all good stuff, though. And I said, yep. I uh, thought that was really sweet. Again, man. like, man, like, uh, you know, fuck, dude. We're human, dude. We yeah. Fuck up. I kind of yeah. hate it whenever people get on their high horse about whatever. That's another thing. If you like. People who have made enough mistakes in their life and done mm-hmm. fucked up where other people fuck up, it's uh, it actually turns into kind of a blessing. It's like mm-hmm. I kind of lost the ability to judge things that Amen. I've done, you know? Amen. So it's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, well, I get it, Bubba. Like, shit, you're fucking human. Yeah, he had played four years in the minors and then was out three, you know, three yeah. years. 
at from yeah. his ages 22 through 24. So that's why it kind of reminded me of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Actually, the Braves wanted to give me 32. Wasn't that his number, 32? But I can't man, remember. Maybe, yeah. No, no. Yeah, that was his number. I think the some of our players were like, hey, man, go ask him for whatever number you want. And then who had 11? <laughs> Uh, did Gerald? Perez. Gerald wasn't there. My fre- my uh, freshman, my uh, rookie year, was he? No, next year. Who was eleven? Reed Johnson. I think it was Eddie. Eddie Pete. Yeah, yeah, it was Eddie, wasn't it? No, he's twelve. That's right. And Fonte right. had eleven in the big leagues, but I don't know who who would have had. Yeah, I don't know. Out. I don't know why I didn't get eleven. Who knows? That's so, a low number <laughs> when you're when you're just coming up. That's a that's a low uh, number gotcha, to try to pick. Yeah, you know, you're getting yeah. eighty six, cool. dude. Like some of the tradition stuff with the Braves, I really love. You know what I mean? It made me feel a part of something like just uh, I don't know, just um, old, like kind of timeless. Watching yeah. the Braves on TV, everybody watched the Braves on TV back in the day. You know? Yeah. That must have been pretty cool being that being the team that you got to, to do this well, with. Well, check it out. Just, it was either I think I got drafted on my grandpa's birthday. It's either the day he died or the day he was born. And uh he didn't know like my family members are like blown away how much he knew about the Braves because you know, he could get it on the radio and the TV and he would watch uh-huh. like all the time. Uh-huh. And it was uh my uncle, who's since passed, had uh, he was like he's not a very uh, woo woo hocus pocus like you know he's just not very out there guy and he was mm-hmm. like whoa like he was like holy shit like my dad would be so yeah like enthused about this and it would and it be the Braves so I thought that was really cool. Reed Johnson, 2012. Gerald oh, Laird, 2013. Oh, look at me. I'm Evan. I've got a beard and I'm scary. Who cares? <laughs> That's Reed to me. I love that guy so much. <laughs> I didn't know where the hell you were doing. You were going with that. Dude. I thought you were doing I your granddad for so, a second. I, I love that guy so much. Reed uh, Johnson? Yes. I looked through it. I found an old iPad with all my hits from my rookie season. In yeah. the uh, rookie uh, um, spring training, and I looked through the videos I had, and uh, there's one of us on an airplane, and it's that Reed Johnson grabbed my iPad and took a video of himself, <laughs> uh, or maybe I did. I don't know, but it is hilarious. And then Laird, and then Gerald Laird had number eleven after that for two years. That's right. Okay, uh, that's right. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine. Whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. 
There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code 755 at checkout. Again, that's go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code 755 at checkout for 25% off your first order. Oh, so you got hurt during a 12 season, right? You only played 74 games combined in the minors? Jeez, uh, 2012? Yeah, the year First before. year was 13, correct? Right. So this was the spring, though, that you were up in camp. Didn't you get hurt that year in the minors at some point? Because you in only the played minor 74 leagues. games. Oh, my wrist, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So then it ended up now going to Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. My wrist. But before. But before you got hurt, you destroyed high pitching. You hit 385 with nine homers and a 1289 OPS in 21 games at Lynchburg. Dude, I was on a mission. <laughs> we were like all watching too. People. Yeah, what? everybody. Was, that's the so only glad. time I remember checking so A-ball stats. Well, <laughs> you guys everybody seen him in camp, right? Yeah, we all wanted to see what he was going to do. So we were, we check. We'd be on the plane or something yep. like that. Somebody pull up Gaddis yep. numbers and everybody just be laughing because we all saw it. You know, <laughs> we all knew so it was going cool to happen. Yeah, it's and, weird, isn't it? And then we thought you were coming up and you went to double A. And I guess that's when your wrist started hurting. You must have played uh, through it for a dude, while. Dude, I went 0 for 10 before I really was like, God ah, dang it. But like, yeah. it, it hurt, but I thought it was just something that would kind of go away. And I was yeah. so, I had blinders on, man. I really just wanted to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And who knows if I would have taken rest, but eventually it was like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to, I got to figure this out, see what's wrong with me. But it was, um, yeah, well, 0 for 10 was my last 10 at bats. I probably got a lucky single or something, but yeah, I didn't, I, uh, it was, it was, I, I, who knows like how double A would have gone if I didn't get hurt. But yeah. then I struggled too coming back. Like I didn't really, I didn't kill double A at all. And I was like, all right. Like this is this is this is a good league, man. Yeah. So it's like so I struggled, struggled so a little started, bit, and then it till started Venezuela. In a ball, a ball, or double A, your wrist. It was a, a. It was like a one day. It was okay. The next day, uh-huh. it wasn't kind of thing. I got you. So, but things happen for a reason, like you said, because then you get sent to Venezuela to get some at bats, and you go crazy down there, and you get a nickname down there. How'd yeah, you get dude. the nickname. Tell that story again. That cab. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're in a cab and uh, a bus <laughs> broke down, like the gringo bus like broke down. And then it's like... The gringo bus. The gringo bus, man. <laughs> I'm going to take care of the gringos, man. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, it broke down. So we all had to take taxis back to the hotel we were staying at. And you know, we get in and uh, they're on the radio and like something, something, something Oso, and like some of the dudes have been there for some years, so picked up on more Spanish. So like, who's White Bear? <laughs> well, <laughs> who the fuck is it not gonna? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's just funny. So you come back to camp that next year, and you had a great camp, and you make the team. You added the Braves announced late in camp. I remember the day we're we're driving over to uh, so Vieira. Cool. And the Braves announced that you were on the 40-man, and you said, what was your reaction when they told you that you were going to make the team? I have no idea. What did I say? Well, I think I cried. just probably just I'm, lost I'm, my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, like, okay, crazy. there's a life goal. Yeah. Like, jeez. 
Oh, and then uh, one of my buddies, David Rome, is like, we need a throwing partner. So I was playing left field mm-hmm. that day. It's probably the only game I ever played in my life, not terrified, scared shitless of playing left field. But because I just found out I was going to the big leagues, and my buddy yeah. David Rome's like, "Sure, I'll warm up with a big leaguer." I was like, "Wow!" It's like, just like, "Wow!" It's different then, stuff that sets in, huh? It's like weird, a, a yeah. And then little uh, things. And then get getting on the airplane and everybody in their suit, uh, suit and tie, <laughs> uh, getting breaking camp, and then like once that starts. You're in a different fucking world, bro. Yeah. You know, I mean, shit. It was like, whoa, for the first time. So it's cool to see. Cool to see people get called up, man. Dude, remember that spring? I think it was that spring. No, it was following spring, whenever it was. I remember going by your locker one day, and it just smelled awful. And I'm like, what is that? (laughs) Uh, That's accurate, (laughs) sir. (laughs) You said you you pulled off your shoe, and it was the worst smelling feet. Oh, man, you got to go there? Dude, everybody (laughs) gives me shit. Everybody gives me shit. Your feet were terrible, dude. Terrible. Dude, I know. I know. They smelled terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I know, dude. I can't help oh. it, dude. And I, I kind of gave up. I was like, I used to do like powder, like put on a sock and then like have a, a separate stick of deodorant for it and shit. And like, dude, there's been a million fucking my feet stories, even like since I've been done playing baseball and we're not even fucking close counters around here. It's like friends just give me shit. Well, hey, one of my so, favorites, one of my favorite things that happened when Gat first got to the big leagues, I think we we're in Detroit, right? It was early, early in the 13th season, and uh, in the you know after it was still the games, cold. yeah, Animal yeah, it was Sanchez still cold. Struck us out 17 times one day. <laughs> yeah, that game. I think it was that game. Uh, you come into the clubhouse, and everybody um, after the games, you can kind of grab like a plastic bag and fill it up with snacks or a couple beers or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did I grab? What did I, I grab? I see Gat walk over to the beer fridge and he, he's got his plastic bag just like everybody else. And he puts, he puts two beers in it and he kind of looks around and realizes it doesn't matter how many he takes. He reaches to the back of that thing and just scoops in like 12 more. And I've never seen anybody happier in their life. He was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. It's like a little it looked kid like a, getting in a sugar like, jar or some shit. No, it's like a little kid going in the gas station and, and, and they told him everything's free. The look oh, on your God. face was so awesome, man. Dude, I, I, that is very accurate. <laughs> I remember that. But I remember that feeling too, though. You could just, it's it, like, you know, the, the amount of snacks and the problem stuff with that's me in the is big it never clubhouse. stopped. I felt like that every day. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us did. Man. I think you got to hold on to that. Oh, I I love it, dude. And I do relish, man, and uh, sitting sitting with players after the game, especially as I grew up, like in the league. You know, what I mean, got little more time. I didn't. It's not, I only played six years, but still. But, like, get a little – and I'm very proud of that, by the way. I do not take that fucking lightly for anybody who has less than fucking six years to fucking accomplish it. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I relish, like, sitting around after games with players and just, like, good day, bad day. Man, that guy shoved it up her ass today. Uh, yeah. What a great game we played. Like, whatever it was, like – Let's go watch a video or something. Just, just nitpicking. That's what I miss most. Always trying to, always trying to do something. Like, 
get, you know what I mean? Get better. It was, uh, it was a, I relished that shit, man. It was a fucking blast. And man, I wish everybody could experience that. Well, yeah, because BMAC spent time on a deal that year, you ended up playing more than expected. You had 37 starts at catcher and 47 in left field. Huh. I thought it was more and, than that. And four games at first base. Oh, yeah. And first two at base. DH. Oh, man. I can remember a couple of adventures um, on Pop Files at oh, first base. Thank God. Yeah. Packed house, <laughs> packed house in Washington, right? Yes. Uh, that's our yes. rival, right? I'm camped, right? <laughs> I'm camped. And I'm like, all right, like catching. But in, in the infield, you know, they do the, like the little curly cue and they start gaining. They, they start, they go up and then they start coming more towards center field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the spin uh, hits. Yeah, the spin ca- kind of catches up and it makes like a, you know, like the cancer symbol ribbon, you know, makes like that. And then so I'm like camped and then I'm just like on it. And it's like, all right, all right, all right. And then it's like 20 fucking feet behind me. And uh, <laughs> Dan's like, dude, Dan Ugla's like right by me, ends up, he's like running over there. And then it falls and I'm like, motherfucker. He said, hey, Bubba. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I've done that shit a million times. <laughs> I thought that was the best thing he could say, even if he hadn't done it a million times. I thought it was the best thing he could ever say to me. Like the packed house, everybody just fucking laughing at me and shit. And you yeah. know, it's the Nationals versus the Braves. So good times. Freddie Freeman. Freddie makes that look way too easy on those. Dude, he's lives. too good. Yeah, he he's does. a Over dude. Freddie Freeman catches. Freddie Freeman is so good. That hitting well everything, but Jesus yeah. Christ, I can't believe uh, his defense isn't. Uh, I don't know how they measure. Like we talk about that all the time. Like how is he not? I don't know, and I don't know. Like I feel like he's the best in the league. I, I, me too, but a lot of people like Hosmer too, and uh, and I. But I don't play against Hosmer as much as I played with Freddie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't right. really have an accurate same. Mm. So you were a 26-year-old rookie, and you had 21 homers, 65 ribbies, and you finished seventh in the Rookie of the Year balloting. Man. I and then the year after that, and then the year after that, with McCann gone to the Yankees, what, it was you and 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 not Betancourt splitting the catching duties, but Gerald Laird. They brought Gerald Laird in. Yeah. One man, one man five tools. I thought <laughs> now he was. Dude, he gets a bad rep two, sometimes, but I love that guy, He was guy awesome. Too. God, he's, he, was he awesome. could work a room. He could work a room like nobody. I mean, feelings are going to get yeah, hurt, he could. but there's some stuff like, you know, everybody's, everybody's done some things. But, man, he's funny. <laughs> what is it about catchers, guys, that, that are so we many never, of them are like I, that? Uh, so, funny, I mean, be, bust I ass, it, bust balls. I think it's got to be like a uh, – I just wish everybody had to strap the gear on for a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like such a different world. It's like nobody knows what baseball is except for them. It feels like that's what I yeah. felt like. It's like, but well, then again, well, I played left field and I was like way fish out of water. I was not but, comfortable yeah. in left field if you couldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> but but Rossi and uh, like Rossi and B Mac and Laird, all ball busters, you know. Yeah. But like you were saying, so many of the catchers have gone on to become great managers, and they say it's because that's the only position on the field where you see everything. You see the whole game. It's cool. right in front of you. Roger McDowell really taught me a lot about how to prepare. It went like before analytics 
were so prevalent. We'd have, you know, we'd have our meetings and it was like my first couple of meetings, it was like they're speaking another language and then they're, they're referencing other players that swing, that mimic their swings are mimicking. You know what I mean? They're similar. Yeah. And uh, just trying to like kind of connect dots with what they've done with people. And, uh, I was Mm -hmm. just blown away. And then, um, but Roger was really, really helped me, uh, to, to learn how to prepare and be good for a pitcher. And I tried to do that, even though personalities have clashed, all that shit. But man, I really did want, like, and it's my knees, dude. I don't want to be out there either. Just as much yeah. as you don't want your ERA going up. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I'm like, I'm here with you. Rossi, uh, t- a couple of days ago, I was talking to Rossi about another, another story. And he went out of his way to praise uh, Roger McDowell, too. He said he taught him so much. McDowell did. So much as a catcher, yeah, it's incredible. Roger's Just the people you meet, man, were incredible. Yes, it was uh-huh. so it was fun too. Yeah, but no, he, like, the oh, way he broke down hitters, he was no, it was they were good. He the way he broke down hitters was it was really it was impressive excellent. for me. I mean, he just put it into perspective exactly where you needed to go and how to approach a guy and what his swing was doing. Mm-hmm. And he didn't put any. That's kind of one of those things, man. He didn't need any numbers or anything to put up there. He would nah. sometimes, but just the way he'd talk about a hitter, you felt so confident uh, attacking him. It was cool. It, it was cool too. Whenever like uh, there was a time when James Russell was pitching against Stanton, and um, and and, uh, and I, it, what really for me was great was there was one time he was pissed in the dugout. He said, "You know the fuck that is hitting." I was like. Yeah, and I fucking know what I'm doing. And I, it was like – and that's what I said. I probably couldn't even hear me from that far away. But just that knowing – like I had, I had a reason. You know what I mean? It wasn't like just a fucking made-up thing. I'm just like freelancing out here with the <laughs> dude who might just fucking take us deep. Oh, James Russell is another player, uh, Dallas Tiger. Uh, played with and against as a kid uh-huh. so wow. anyway but like uh no it was cool he taught me how to really be my own leader like you know yeah and like all i can do is give suggestions if it's really fucking bad i'd call time i don't know anymore because they limited it because you know yeah <laughs> never mind you, you had uh you had 22 homers <laughs> and an 8 810 OPS that year and 401 plate <laughs> appearances. It's 2014. You played 105 games, that, 89 I, starts I think, behind the plate. I think just not trying to do too much. Uh, uh-huh. it's sometimes, like whenever that hit streak started, I had like a 20-game a hit streak almost or more than that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't – I started trying to just like hit the fucking ball instead of trying to hit it out of the Grand Canyon. And I think it really helped me. And yeah. I got away from that. I think every hitter gets away from just trying to do too much. And I think that really uh-huh. hurt me later in my career. And that was it. In, in uh, Atlanta, after the season, the Braves traded you uh, and a minor league pitcher, James Hoyt, to the Astros for Mike Fultonavich, Rio Ruiz, and Andrew Thurman, a minor league pitcher who never got past double A. So How's you're back, you been? going back He's to nasty. Houston. He can be – Look like a number one starter for a day or two or three. Yeah, he's four, nasty. And then he can and then he can uh, get blown up or have yep. a walk. Yep. Fast. So yeah, yeah, it's there. Played against him in uh, Danville, my uh, first pro half pro season. Oh really? Yeah, he made me swing at some shit like 
way out of zone. Yeah, he was like, Strohs back then. Yeah, that's right. Prospect with the Strohs back then. Yeah. Yep. So you're back to Houston at this point. I mean, how, I guess it's kind of uh, probably bittersweet. You're getting traded from the Braves. Obviously, you didn't want that, but you're going yeah. back to to, to to Texas. Yeah, and I knew they wanted me to DH, I think. Yeah. Uh, or at least I thought that. And I was like, man, I think that could really help extend my career. If I just caught, right. I think I'd probably be out of the league way faster. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Some guys can really catch. But so – that- so yeah. I think it, it I think it helped like uh, personally, and um, dude, when you look at what BMAC did, catching fifteen years, are you just I don't get it, dude. Do- <laughs> and had they don't surgery build early. They don't just make Brian McCann's. It's incredible. He gets. I, I just. I don't think he gets enough praise. Yeah, he gets he it. Really here. doesn't. Uh, Eric he Eric's his biggest lot. fan. Yeah, I'm, he's one of my favorite baseball people I've ever met. I don't know anybody that doesn't say that that knows him, you know, in the game. I know. I know. He's every team he's, he's been just, with. He's incredible. So that, so <laughs> him that, talking about hecklers in New York, he struggled as soon as he got to New York for a little bit. Uh huh. Like, you fucking suck, you piece of shit. And he's like, I know. <laughs> oh, when he was playing there. Yeah. I know. I yeah. know. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm we trying. don't know. It's like I'm fully aware of my struggles know, right? right now. I'm living it. Him fucking 18 or whatever when i got yeah. to the strohs i don't like, get to turn the tv off <laughs> i gotta i gotta keep watching this shit show 24 7 dude, dude going over eight with eight punchies yeah like not putting the ball in play that shit's humiliating yeah it is it's like i literally i literally couldn't do worse if i tried like not not like a metaphor no, I I could I could have gone up there right handed and, and probably gotten guys out better than I've been doing the last two weeks. Fully aware totally of my struggles. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so you so yeah, that first season in uh, Houston, you were primary DH and played a little left field, but no catching. Six hundred four yeah. plate appearances in one hundred and fifty three games, dude. That was fifty percent more basically of each of those than you'd had the previous year with the Braves. I can't had, believe I didn't. I can't believe I didn't perform better. I think I. You had twenty-seven I mean, homers and eighty-eight RBIs, man. Yeah, playing every fucking day, like in a three-twelve down the line. It's less than whatever yeah. it says it is. By the yeah, way, it is, isn't it? The Coffer boxes are closer <laughs> than so. that. Aren't they? I think so. Somebody shot it. Somebody I, shot it with a uh, what you call range like, finder. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've heard it's like 10, 15 feet closer than uh, what it's listed. What's it's listed? Three ten, three twelve. Yeah. It's, at least, uh, it's at least a little bit closer, I think. I mean, so I'm told. But you can't put 295 far. on there, though. You just mark it 310 yeah. or three, whatever, and what you don't want to move that wall. Look at you see it. It looks like it's just on you. You're like, Jesus yeah. Christ, just hit it, it in the like, air to left. <laughs> looks like, like 140 feet. It's, it's like a bad habit. I almost wish that stadium, like, I almost wish Minute Maid was backwards. I think I would hit better. Going the other way? Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Dude, so the- so the stat though that jumped obviously jumps off the page that year, and I think you don't you don't even I don't even have to you know what it is right? What <laughs> that's oh, inexplicable. Triples. Yes, you had eleven kid, triples that year. The kid can scoot. <laughs> You've had blind. one in your other five seasons combined. It's an unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's one of the craziest stats I've ever seen. Seriously, it's fucking ridiculous. It's hilarious. <laughs> Baseball's fucking weird, man. Yeah. 
And I looked. It wasn't like you were just hitting them to the weird crannies and corners at Minute Maid and taking but advantage of odd bounces because you had five of the 11 on the road. <laughs> Chris Carter, I was like, are you paying people to fall down and shit? <laughs> Dude, there's like this guy slips. Though. Dude, there was some outliers. You know, the 11. ball hits off the top of the wall when the guy tries to make a play. And it just, it's, you it was be running weird. hard, though. Uh, you, you got to scoot out of hard. the box. If I didn't know if it was gone, I was trying to get it, yeah. no matter what it looks like. I was I was scooting as best I can. I, w- I played with a guy in uh, AAA that would say, they don't pay me for triples, and he'd always <laughs> stop at second. We we're like, man, you're in AAA right now. You're not getting paid for dude. anything. Like You can <laughs> just start running hard, dude. Dude, how do you like your PB&J, dude? Yeah. Like, hit a homer or hit a triple. Like, you're just fucking your slugging. <laughs> so, Gat, I just, uh, while you were talking, I just called this up just for some, some context. You had 11 triples that year. You want to guess what Ronald Acuna, who can fly, who had 40. Acuna can do everything pretty fast. He fucking good. Led the league with 37 steals last year, had 41 bombs. You know how many triples he's had in a thousand or 1,202 plate appearances? Doesn't over two matter. He's 41 of them. But you know how many triples he's had? <laughs> no. Six. He had six. You <laughs> and, had and six one, at home. At home was in last one year? season. In, yeah. How many no, s- no, no. No, no, no. He's had six in a 1,202 career plate appearances over two years. Six triples. You had 11 in one year. <laughs> That's a joke. That's ridiculous. Dude, talk to me about that guy. You get to be around him. He, like, sets oh my his, God. Bat, his back. His bat goes backwards. Like, yeah. And then, and then like, when he does, like, his first move yeah. is hilariously awesome. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? That's another guy I was wrong about. I was like, eh, who knows? Maybe he's okay. And I see yeah. him, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm like I've telling done. my friend, like my my yeah. neighbor, like watch this guy hit this baseball. <laughs> They're like, what are you looking at? Man, like, you watch, watch him at BP, awesome dude. Swing. You watch <clears> him at BP every day, and you really still are astounded. But what, what about he can the generate? Oppo pop? Like to uh, yeah. home run derby video. I saw a video of him going deep. Like I don't know how many times Oppo. Yeah, that's yeah, so what's the home run derby get? He's, he's the only guy I've ever seen hit opposite field homers in the home run derby. <laughs> That's he, pretty cool. He That's he baller, just lived dude. in right center field, <laughs> just flicking him out there like he does at BP. Yeah, that, I've never dude, seen that's that such before. a good habit. It would have been even in the I home run derby. That, he what? <laughs> he was doing it in the home run derby. He's yeah, like fuck it, dude. You know, he's a total throwback in regard to the physical size and the the the, the hands and wrists because he's like Hank Aaron. He's about the same size as Hank was. When he played, and there well, are guys was, like that now. Hank was like, no. Hank was one eighty five, one ninety when he's playing, but his hands and his wrists were ridiculous. Oh, do you remember that uh, that pitch in the All Star game? I don't know who it was off of, but it was up in the zone, and he goes out like almost upper deck wherever they were playing. Yeah, yeah, Hank yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Oh my god, that pop! Whew. Wow, his hands shake his hands. It's like, oh yeah. my god. Acuna and Albies Hammer. both, dude, have the strongest wrist. Good lord! I mean, Ozzy Albies is like 175 pounds. Does he? Is he also like that? Oh yeah. Oh, he's strong as an ox, man. He's tiny. Yeah. It's cool to see because you you know like it's different when you're next to him at camp and you know what I mean. You share a locker next to him or some yeah, shit. Yeah. 
but seeing people on TV, you don't get, a, you don't really appreciate, uh, you know, the yeah. physicality of some people. Yeah, he's not big. I mean, uh, there's nothing no. Acuna, nothing exceptional about his size. He's in good Acuna's shape. Acuna's not very tall. No, he's like six feet. Dang. And and weighs about one night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, weighs about one ninety, one ninety five. And shit. Uh, yeah, and he. Uh, I mean, I wasn't there. I wasn't covering the uh, Marlins when uh, when the man came up. You know, but. I he's I, I left O two in when uh, who came up? Um well I left in O two so I didn't see uh uh came Miguel think. Cabrera. Yeah, I didn't see Miggy come up because he came up the next year. Yeah. So I left I left there in O two, so I can't say I can't compare him to him. Yeah. But I've told everybody that uh Acuna is the best prospect. And I said this before he got to the majors was the best that I'd ever seen. That's awesome. It's good I mean, to hear. Period. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's that good. I, he's that I mean, good. I know that now. And I just didn't always know that. <laughs> it's. I mean, you know, it's kind of. It's kind. Of, it's usually BS when guys say that the the ceiling yeah. is uh, it's unlimited because like, yeah, it's not with most guys. But with him, it really is. <laughs> it really yeah. is. I mean, he could be the best player in a game. In my no doubt in my mind, he could be. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy to say somebody could be as good as Mike Trout. But who knows? I mean, if he plays 10, 15 years at his peak, he's I mean, going to put up those kind of numbers, I think. He's, the, he's that talented. For the evolution of the game's sake, I just uh, I hope somebody is better than Mike Trout someday. I mean, I don't know when I want that to be because, yeah. man, Mike Trout is what? Yeah. But, like, uh, you know. <laughs> but he's a monster, though, right? Trout's a huge dude. Can oh, he's so it, much it, bigger well, well, than you think. He's so much he's bigger. A unit. Yeah. Dude, uh. Like, uh, but Miguel Cabrera's swing and Trout's swing, oh. uh, just uh, just those two out of the blue, whatever. Just I, I could never emulate what they do, yeah, successfully and have you know what I mean? It's like it's just different. I don't, I just don't think I could do that. And then, well, like, you're it, not it, supposed it, to. Exactly, it's his. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but you hit what you hit. You hit the That's ninety-eight baseball, mile an hour Strasburg fastball. It was chest high, and you you tomahawk that thing for a home run. Yeah, most people try to work on taking that fucking pitch. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, so who knows? I mean, and it, that shit gets me in trouble too. It's like, so you remember you know, we were talking you, about that on the bus? I don't until you mentioned it. I did see it on the Twitter. Dave, I, this after a game one day, man. One of his first first. Week in the big leagues, I think we go to Washington, and I think you had three punches. At least two of them were on high fastballs, and you were pretty Surprising. heated on the bus. I didn't really know it, but it, you know, getting to know you, I kind of want to see where your head was at uh, after a game. So I sit down by you, and I was just like, "Man, they kept is that is that?" And I'm trying to figure out your weakness because you destroyed me in BP. Right? Close to my strength. So I said, "You know, do they go up? Do the teams throw you a lot of those high fastballs to try to get you to chase?" And you just said, "Yeah, but I get those." And looked straight dead forward back to the front of the bus and didn't say another word the rest of the bus ride. And the next day, he takes that ball off of Strasburg, and I was just like, "All right, well, uh-huh. he, yeah, I he guess got he does too him. similar early in the uh, earlier that game, the first at bat or he went up there, right? Was, yeah, he went up there, and I, I got I, it got in on me and uh, got kind of on the handle, and I think I flew out foul to third, and uh, and I was like, okay, all right, like you're gonna have to get like. Uh, do you remember um, 
Leon Roberts, nice, loose and wristy. Like, I'm going to have to get really loose and wristy. And like, if I want to catch this thing, but if what sucks for me is if I start thinking, I know what people want to do with me, you start fucking going for it. You chase it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to go high, go higher and high. Yeah, and I told him that when we were playing each other when when we were uh, when you were Oakland. with Houston, I was with Oakland, and Tyler Clippard threw one off the backstop almost, and you Dude, still went I up and got it. Catch one, he threw seventeen <laughs> of them to me. I tried to tell that story in the in the hitters meeting, Dave, and and they were they were saying how you can get him to chase up there, and I was telling him the story. Yes, you you know, sitting next to him, I was like, hey, he he gets those sometimes. And sure enough, Tyler Clippard throws one that had to be seven feet high. I mean, Gaddis' bat was like straight parallel, right? The ball was well over his head. And he hit it off the wall in center field and won the game. Almost off the wall, but we did. It was 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 one of those told you so moments. Bases were juiced, huh? Or at least two runners on. It was um, was late in the game. I think it was a three-run or two-run triple. Yeah. That might have been one of your triples. No, it was a double. Yeah. So Gat, you can do that, and uh, Miggy and Acuna can hit line drive home runs to to uh, right field like a left handed pull hitter. So I could do that in yeah. BP, but not he in can do games. that too. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I started. That was whenever I went good. My best season was probably 2016. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2016. I started Miguel Cabrera. Actually, he said, "Hey, if you pull your left shoulder towards third base, you're fucked." Uh-huh. And uh, and I was like, okay. And I went, I went out with uh, I think Marwin and Altuve, and um, and just watch watch Miggy, watch Miggy hit and see what he's doing. And then um, just kind of like, hey, why do you why do you do that? You know, whatever. And, and then that kind of changed my second half. Stop. And then I started trying to drive the ball to right field, uh-huh. and then it, it accidentally. Like hitting balls, like uh, off-speed pitches to the left. I think that really was beneficial to me. But, well, this you know, a, I mean, this... I, if I had it all over again, I would hope I was a better. I would be a better ball player. I mean, I got smarter. I don't think I got better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, but you get smarter you know, as your talent fades. It kind of you just you meet right to. back in the middle. <laughs> you got to. Yeah, it's funny. Baseball's great equalizer, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> Well, that would be a. This would be a good point to uh, halt for a second and come back with our second part of our discussion, All right. beginning with the uh, that 2016 year with the Astros, where you said, like you said, you had your best year. Okay. And then, and then the rather eventful 2017 season. So a little bit, some things. We'll happened. be back on. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's what I heard. We'll be back All on right. with uh, a second part of our interview with Gat. I hope you guys will uh, join us. Mm-hmm.